You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Today we're doing uh, James, 13 to, uh, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. It's on page 1215, 1,215. Boasting about tomorrow. Now listen to you who say, today or tomorrow we will go and do this or that city. Spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. For what, um, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say... If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. I wonder if you've, you've ever made plans only for something to stop them from happening. Ever made plans only for something to stop them from happening. I think we've all been in that situation, haven't we? Well, December the 25th, 2019, was a great Christmas day. My two brother-in-laws had come over, one from America, one from Ireland. They'd brought their wives, just one each, children and presents with them. We were having a morrow Christmas, that's my wife's maiden name, down in Newcastle under Lyme. So we headed down there. Because there was 21 of us all together, it's quite a big family, we had a local church hall and had our Christmas dinner together. And it was an amazing Christmas meal. I love Christmas meals, although we didn't have sprouts because at that time we were just leaving Brussels. (laughs) Thank you. I thought you'd get that reaction. Anyway. After the meal, we did presents. The adults do a secret Santa, so I got what I always get, a gift card, because you can't beat a gift card, love him. And then it came to my two oldest, and they received a piece of paper. And they looked at this piece of paper, and it turned out to be a letter. A letter by none other than Donald Trump. President Trump was inviting my two oldest to come to America in summer 2020. He wanted them to accompany their grandparents on their yearly visit to Minnesota to see their grandchildren and my kids' cousins. And what they were to do, they were to come help their grandparents carry luggage and basically be really helpful. What an amazing present this is, a trip to the good old US of A. Well, they started to make plans with their cousins. Shall we go to the Mall of America, which is the biggest shopping mall in America? Shall we go rifle shooting? Because their cousins have got guns. Think of that what you will. Um, Shall we go and watch baseball or soccer? 
Wow, what an exciting time. What a fantastic trip. It was going to be, as the kids say, epic. Then, March 23rd, 2020, we went into our first lockdown. COVID-19 stopped all our plans. Plans to go on holiday, stopped. Plans to go to work, stopped. Plans to go to school, stopped. Plans to get married, stopped. Plans to move house, stopped. Plans to come to church, stopped. It was both a frustrating and a freeing time. It was frustrating because most of our lives were put on hold. We normally like to make plans and carry them out. So when this doesn't happen, it can often make us really frustrated. But it was also a very freeing time. It was freeing because the busyness of life was taken away. The chaos that comes from going to work, taxiing kids around, socialising, church activities, all of that stopped. And we could all just take a breath. And it was freeing for many people. Now, if you can't sleep tonight, you can check out a YouTube video I did at my previous job at the start of lockdown in which I talk about this very passage. Why this passage? Because this passage is all about making plans. And this morning, James is going to tell us two things about making plans. He's going to tell us how to not make plans, and he's going to tell us how to make good plans. So hopefully, by the end of this morning, we should be better prepared to cope if something gets in the way of our plans, and we should be better able to prioritise what our plans should be. So better able to cope and better able to prioritise. Let me pray and then we'll look at the passage. Father God, we, we make plans all the time. Father, some of our plans are good, some of our plans aren't. We pray, Father, that your word would teach us what it is to make good plans this morning. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. So let me just read the passage again. It's only very short. Um, verse 13. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on our business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So how to not make plans. You see, James is talking about merchants in this text. He's talking about people who go to different cities to make money. Now, I'm no expert in business, but you only have to travel from one place to another to see the same type of shops. These businesses move from one place to another to make more money. Now, James's point isn't that making money is a bad thing. Rather, it's making plans without any acknowledgement of God. If you have a look at verse 13, James calls these plans arrogant. He says they're boasting. And then he uses that little word that he's used over and over again in the book of James. He says these plans are evil. Now, we know that James doesn't shy away from using powerful language to make his point. But we might want to pause just this moment and have a little think. Really? Is it really that bad? What's so arrogant about making plans or being ambitious? What's so evil 
about acting on some of our desires? Isn't James just being a bit of bit OTT here? Well, James wants to remind us of two truths when it comes to making plans. One of them is the uncertainty of the future, and the second is the unknowing of our finish. So what do I mean by that? Well, the uncertainty of the future. We mentioned, didn't we, how frustrating lockdown was? Because we're used to making plans and carrying them out, and that stopped. It's something we do in the West. It's something we do in affluent countries. We strive and make plans in our own strength and on our own terms because we are competent and confident people. We don't feel we need God because we're more than capable of running our lives exactly how we want to run them. That's why the most popular song of funerals is Frank Sinatra's My Way. People think that that's a celebration of independence or a a carefree soul who went through life singing regrets. I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. I did what I had to do. I saw it through without exemption. I planned each charted course, each careful step along the byway, and more, much more, I did it. I did it my way. Now, you get it at funerals sometimes, people play that song, and then people are in tears. Oh, oh, he, he lived his life just as he wanted to do. No, James would say that is evil. Why? Because it's full of pride. And James has told us in chapter 4, verse 6, that God opposes the proud. God would say, it's ridiculous to sing my way and live your life without any reference to God because how small and limited we are compared with how big and unlimited he is. So not only was lockdown a frustrating time, but it was a frightening time for people because we realized that our competence and our confidence wasn't enough. That even couldn't make plans anymore. We couldn't do things my way. An invisible virus had stopped the careful step along the byway. And this fear about the future, it's not gone. It's just been ramped up with climate concerns, with conflicts in Eastern Europe, with cost of living crises. In fact, in a recent survey called Talking Jesus, 4,000 people were asked, what's the one question you want answered? Now, surprisingly, it wasn't, is there a purpose in life or what happens when you die? No, the most popular question people wanted answering was this, will everything be okay? People want to know, will it be okay tomorrow? And James would say, we don't know about tomorrow. Now, this uncertainty about the future, it should lead to two things. It should humble us and it should help us. You see, it should humble us because we do not know the future, but God does. Augustine said this, he said, a God who does not know the future is no God. Church, let me ask you this morning, is your Jesus God-sized? Is your Jesus God-sized? Jesus, the one who created all things, who sustains all things, who knows all things, is in heaven right now ruling over all things. 
Jesus knows your tomorrow. The very Jesus who died for our sins is the very Jesus who's putting some things on your path and who's taken some things off your path because Jesus knows your tomorrows. Because it's Jesus who knows our tomorrows, we can humbly trust him. If Jesus gave his life for you, do you suddenly now think he's against you? No. Jesus loved you then and he loves you now. Whatever your tomorrow is, you know that Jesus has what's best for you at the core of your tomorrow. The uncertainty about our future should humble us and it should drive us to fix our gaze on our saviour and king, Jesus Christ. But the uncertainty about the future, it should help us as well. Though I grew up, a lot of my childhood was in the, the 1980s, and I grew up with the Back to the Future movies. And in the second one, Marty McFly goes forward into the future. And whilst he's in the future, he sees a sports results book. And in this sports results book are all the sports results that are going to take place in the next 20, 30 years. So Marty thinks, I know what I'll do. I'll take this sports book back. I'll put on a few bets, make a little bit of money, no harm done. Unfortunately, his nemesis, Biff, gets hold of this book. He beats Marty back to the future or back to the present. And Biff has used this book to make millions and millions of dollars. In fact, Biff now controls all of Hill Valley, including all of Marty's family. This knowledge about the future has been a complete disaster. Church, imagine if God revealed to us the next five years of your life. All the good things would puff, puff us up. All those bad things would pull us down. If we knew what was going to happen, we'd be filled with pride or we'd be paralyzed with fear. We'd have days full of skipping and it'd be weeks staying in bed. You see, this uncertainty about the future, it helps us trust Jesus more. We don't know about the future, but he does. So surely that should create a desire in us to get to know him a little bit better. Because the more you know someone, the more you trust them. The more you trust them, the less fear you have about tomorrow. So church, can I encourage you to read the Gospels? Listen to good podcasts. Read good Christian books. Listen to audio books. Get to know the one who knows all your tomorrows so you do not fear what lies ahead. So James would say there's something else to consider, not only the uncertainty of the future, but it's the unknowing of our finish. What do I mean by that? Well, I wonder what would be the title of your autobiography. I had a little look of last year's best-selling autobiographies. Let me see if you can guess who they are, okay? So one of them was called A Funny Life. Anyone want to guess whose autobiography that is, A Funny Life? I, I try and do an impression, but it'd be a disaster. Michael McIntyre. Okay, so, okay, funny, I get it. Michael McIntyre is a comedian, sort of. Not in your standard, Chris, but you're certainly having a go. Um, <laughs> Leap of Faith. Leap of Faith. Sounds like a Christian one, doesn't it, potentially? John 
No, Frankie the Tory. Leap of faith. Horses. Too many reasons to live. Come on, you know that one. Too many reasons to live. Rob Burrow. Rugby league reference for anyone who knows that. Okay, on point. Uh, what about some of these that maybe your autobiography would be called Bossy Pants? <laughs> or maybe this one, I like this one. I know what I'm doing and other lies I tell myself. <laughs> or for all the men, maybe your autobiography would be hypothetical arguments I've won in the shower. <laughs> I never lose an argument in the shower. 100% record, amazing. Uh, she's not here today, so she can't. Anyway, according to James, our autobiography should be called Mist, or The Vanish, or Fleeting. James points this, how can you be so arrogant and evil to make plans without God when your life is so short? James is trying to remind us of, of how insignificant and finite we are and how impressive and infinite Jesus is. Now, I get that talking about death in society, no one likes to do it. I get that. Even if you've had a my way kind of life, you still know you're going to be leaving loved ones. You still know that they're going to be grieving and they've got to try and get on with life without you. So actually, rather than kind of think about that, we just want to push it to the side. Ignorance is bliss in this respect. But I don't think we're much better at talking about death in churches either. And we should be. Now, that's to say that we're not to grieve and we're not to be sad or we're not to hurt. But we must love people well. And the way we love people well at those times is to talk about the certain hope we have in death the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. Church, let's not forget, when a Christian dies, they go to be with Jesus. They're no longer in pain. They're no longer in suffering. They've gone to the better place because they're with the best person. This is the eternal truth we need to hold on to when we're grieving, when we're in pain, when we're feeling lonely. Jesus knows when we will finish on this earth and he has guaranteed us a glorious future with him. Are you excited about seeing Jesus? Church, let us not feel awkward about talking about our hope in death. It's what we need to hear because we all need to be prepared. There's no guarantee of a long life. We don't know the day of our finish. The best plans we can make for this day is to trust Jesus now, is to keep our eyes fixed on him and to know that one day we will be with him. Friends, James has shown us that our future is uncertain and that our finish is unknown. We are limited by what we know and what we can do. Therefore, to make plans without God is arrogant and evil. But let's now see what James says about making good plans. So how to make good plans? Well, look at verse 15. It says, instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live 
or do this or that. Now, let's say my youngest came up to me after this service and said, Dad, on Saturday, I'm going to climb Snowdon. Snowdon, make a reference there. Going to climb Snowdon, the biggest mountain in Wales, for those people who didn't know that. Now, the desire and ambition to climb Snowdon are good. Physically, you know, it's going to exert some energy, make him a bit stronger. Spiritually, he's going to get to see God's wonderful creation. It's going to be fantastic. However... There's a few problems. I know the weather forecast for next Saturday is horrible around Snowden, and I know that he will hate walking in the wind and rain. I also know that I've got other plans for him because we're going to come to dads and kids at the mill on Saturday. And I also know that he's never climbed a mountain before. So before we go to Snowden, we should probably try a smaller hill like Tex Nose in Macclesfield. Now, unfortunately, he's not taking this news very well. Instead of trusting his father knows best, he's raging. This my, my way and uh, earthly wisdom kind of life doesn't do no well. Now, if, however, he would have come to me and said, Dad, you know, I really fancy climbing Snowden one day. Do you think it's a good idea? Can we make it happen? I'll affirm it's a good idea, and I'll say, yeah, son, that's a great idea. But then I'll also say, it's a great idea, but we need to think about some other things first. Let's go to Tex Nose first. Let's think about the spring and look at the weather, make it a nice day, okay? Let's do those things. Now, what's happening in that point is he's submitting his plans to me, and I'm helping him try to work out the steps. Now, this is an inept picture of what James is trying to tell us here. He's saying, look, we're meant to take our plans to God and ask him if he thinks they're a good idea. This is what we read in the book of Proverbs 2. Proverbs 16:9 tells us, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You see, when we submit our plans to God, we're acknowledging that he knows best. We're acknowledging that God knows what will happen in the future and we want to do the thing that God has for us. And that sometimes might not be the thing we planned. Now, my children eventually did go to America. They went this summer. And the weight definitely made that trip better. They were two years older, so they were physically stronger, so they could carry their grandparents' luggage. They were a couple of years older, so they were emotionally more mature, so they didn't get as homesick, and they were able to uh, appreciate the experience a lot more. You see, God's timings and God's ways are always best, even though at the time it doesn't feel like it. Now, I heard a cute story of a child who heard his mum say during the course of a move, the mum would say, we're going to see a house we may move into, God willing. And she would say that every time they went to see a house. We're going to see a house we might move into, God willing. The boy heard it so often that he asked the mum if the house they were moving into was called God willing. <laughs> now, it's right to acknowledge that anything we plan is God willing. We don't know the future. We don't know our day of finish. Everything is in the hands of the Lord, and that's a good place for it to be. 
So how to make good plans? Firstly, we go to God, is this your will? We ask him. And second way we make good plans is revealed in verse 17. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now, there's an, an analogy given, isn't it? And the, the preacher will say something like, if all your thoughts, if all your words, if all your actions were projected on the screen, would you stay to watch? And most people would be like, no, I'd be, I'd be the first one out. And the idea is that in this, you're free to do whatever you want kind of world we live in. There's still things that we're ashamed of and embarrassed about. Let me change the analogy slightly. What happens if your calendar was projected on the screen? Would you stay? So if your calendar, it showed us the kind of things you plan, the kind of things you do with your time, would you stay on the screen? Or would you leave out of embarrassment? Now you might think, well, I'd probably stay because it's, it's no big deal. Well, let's just remind ourselves what James says in verse 13. When James talks about this example of the merchants, he's saying that they're, what are they doing? They're trying to make a profit. So profit or making a profit is the priority. So the profit is driving their plans. Making a profit is driving the plans they want to make. I wonder what drives your plans? What drives your plans? You see, your calendar would reveal what drives your plans. If we looked at your calendar, is it mostly work stuff? Is it mostly socializing? Is it mostly things you do to gain comfort? Is it a hobby? Is it Jesus? Now, let me just speak to parents for a moment, because parents, you have to be so careful with this. Often our calendars can be so filled with children's activities. Now, you might be saying, is there anything wrong with wanting your kids to experience things? No, I'm not saying that. But what I am saying this is it's not the ultimate priority for your children or your life to just be a taxi service all the time. Our plan should be driven by what God has revealed in his word. We write in permanent marker times that are going to enable you and your family to know God better and to love other people more. So permanent marker, church is a must. Well done, you've all passed the test today. Can I just say if there's anyone watching and you're not at church today or you're watching on delay, is it because your calendar is too busy with other things? It's just something to consider. Might get an email about that tomorrow. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, youth group, definite. Serving in some capacity is a given. Having people over to your house is going to happen. Now, if you're thinking, I don't have time for any of those things, then you might have to go back to your calendar and change some stuff. You see, the devil wants us to be so busy that we have no time for God or other people. The writer Sam Albee puts it like this, if our planning is no different to that of the world around us, what does that say about our faith in Jesus? Our plans need to reflect not only the existence of God's will, but its contents too. Now churches too, we can be guilty of overloading people with things to do. We don't want you in here so much that you're never out there with non-Christians telling them about Jesus. So you've got to guard your calendars and be driven by the good Jesus has revealed for you to do. 
Now, I know some of you deep thinkers are at a point in this sermon when you're thinking, okay, just stop or answer something really deep. So here's Chris going deep. Now, you might be thinking, but sometimes God's revealed will doesn't always answer our questions about his providential will. What do we do? Well, I'm glad you asked. You see, God's revealed will is what God has told us to do and not to do. So, for example, the Bible says that we are to speak the truth in love. We are to put our trust in Jesus and repent of our sin. The Bible says we are not to commit adultery. We are not to get drunk. That's his revealed will. God's providential will is what God is going to do in the future. Things we don't know, but God does. Now, some plans are easy to know about God's will. If we plan to tell someone about Jesus, that is something God wants us to do. If we plan to slander someone, that is something God doesn't want us to do. But you might think, well, that's too easy, Chris. Decisions are really as black and white as this. You're right. Some people, some decisions can be equally moral and good and part of God's will. What do we do then? Well, we had this recently at our members meeting for those who were there, the lucky ones who got a ticket. Now at that meeting, the elders presented two options to the church. These options are the ones the elders feel God has been leading us towards over the last six months. Both options are good. Starting a community hub in Reddish is a good thing. Starting another service at Green Lane is a good thing. You can make an argument for both from scripture. Both options were presented because we wanted to find out what God's will is through the feedback from that meeting. And again, this is something that the Bible says is a good thing. Proverbs 15, 22 says this, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. So when you have plans that are equally good and you want to know what God's will is, then getting others involved is biblical. Another good thing to do, and this is hard for many of us, is to wait. Is to wait. You see, God will reveal his will in his good time. In the meantime, we're not to be driven by earthly wisdom. See last week's sermon, if you don't know what that is. But rather we are to be in prayer, humbly submitting to God and what he may have for us. Look, church, we live in a busy time. There's lots for us to do. There's plenty of things to plan and there's plenty of things to look forward to. Let's make sure that whatever we do is submitted to the Lord to see if this is what he wants us to do. And finally, in conclusion, this world can be a frustrating and frightening place. The uncertainty of the future, the unknowing of our finish can make us really proud as we charge ahead or it can make us really worried because we're not confident we can fix things. Instead, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. Let us draw near to God, confident that he loves us, confident that God is for us, confident that God knows best, confident that all our tomorrows are in his good hands. Let me pray. 
Father God, thank you that you know all our tomorrows. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are good, that you love us, that you want what's best for us. I pray, Father, that we would be a people who submit our plans to you, that we would desire to do the good thing. And Father, we pray for help in this because sometimes it's difficult. There's so many things to do. We're not always sure what is the best thing. So guide us as individuals, guide us as a church, we pray, and fix our eyes on Jesus. In his name we ask, amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.